Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like, is it a grudge or a boundary? (laughs) Wanting so badly to get married and beginning that long journey into yourself. Yeah. But before we begin, we just want to give you our Surgeon General's warning, which is that uh, we are not licensed to give advice Mm -mm. or have a podcast Mm -mm. or like really anything besides driving, I think, (laughs) honestly. (laughs) Uh, Licensed to flirt. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Mm. No one gave me that license. I was going to say licensed to kill, but that's just like so violent so early (laughs) in the morning. That's right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So Sam and I are not professionals. So please take this advice as you see fit. It is your life, not ours. Um, And we're just here to offer our humble, humble, groveling opinions and musings (laughs) to hopefully shed some understanding um, and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding, but mostly confusing experience that is love, ETC, ETC, Mm -hmm, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So uh, what is the check-in topic for today, Sam? We are going to talk about conflict styles, um, and I think we talked about this on a Patreon. Yes, you referenced it and said, and we said we would talk about it later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We talked so about we are... apology styles, on, um, uh, and yeah, we uh-huh. also talked about um, love languages. We've gone into depth on both of those things on different Patreons, but we've tiptoed around it, but we've never actually talk it, talked about it, and I'm super excited because I know literally Zero nothing things. about them. Yeah. <laughs> So Sam's going to be, you know, edifying. Is that an actual verb? Yeah, I love it. The edification Ooh. of me and the Just Breakup listeners. That's great. Um, and I want to give a shout out to my friends, Trina and Alfonso, who are like actually paid professionals in <laughs> things like conflict style and like uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and they have a podcast that's called Behave. Um, and one of the episodes in the first season is actually all about conflict styles. Cool. So if you want to check them out, um, it's called behave. I believe it's on all pl- podcast platforms, but definitely on Apple or their website, teendynamics.com. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so basically, um, I think it's, I think it's great for us to talk about conflict styles because it, you know, comes up in relationship, right. And, um, navigating through conflict is, probably one of the greatest challenge of most relationships, Absolutely. like, like love relationships, <laughs> friendships, family stuff, work stuff. Um, yeah. so, you know, we all have like learned conflict styles that are sort of developed for us through our, the way that we grew up, um, the things that we learned, the culture that we're enmeshed in, mm-hmm. the things we see on TV and in movies, all of that good stuff. So, uh, when you think about it, you should think about like a an axis, an X and Y axis with like four different quadrants, right? Mm-hmm. And so the quadrant that is going um, left to right is emotional restraints and emotional expressiveness. So like depending on where you are, like how expressive are you with your emotions when you're in conflict? Very. Are you someone who like... <laughs> Are you oh, someone oh, oh, this who... is not an interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, no, are you someone that like shuts down when emotion, like when mm-hmm. thing? are you someone that displays respect by being quiet, mm-hmm. right? That's, that's mm-hmm. something can happen. Or are you someone who shows that you care by getting really emotional, mm-hmm. right? And so 
want to say like both of those are absolutely wonderful and great Valid. ways of of being in conflict, right? That it's great to show people that you care by being real, really emotional. And it's also great to show people that you care by being quiet. Yeah. By being um, calm. Absolutely. And then on the, um, the up and down axis is sort of how direct you are in your conflict at the top and how indirect you are when conflict on the bottom. Mm. So are you the type of person that wants to go directly to the person? Do you want to talk to them in in ways that get directly at the problem, right? It's not about sort of talking around it. It's not about like telling a story about it. It's about like, let's say exactly what we mean and be clear that that's what we mean. Mm. Or are you someone who's indirect? Do you want to go to someone else and have them sort of act as an intermediary yeah. between you? Do you want to not necessarily talk directly about the thing, but talk about a story or a metaphor around the thing? Mm. Um. Or do you want to sort of give yourself one of the things that I think is most interesting about direct versus indirect is how quickly you want to talk about the problem. Oh my God. Like direct people. Yeah. Direct people are like, let's do this, right? Like, let's not let this fester. Let's like talk about it. Indirect people are often like, I don't, you need to give me some time, time and space mm-hmm. so that I can process this And you know that's before. hard for us anxiously attached people. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. And what I also think is great is that indirect people aren't always about the conflict. They're about the relationship. So like direct people who come into contact with indirect folks have challenges because they're like, I want to talk about the problem. And the indirect person is like, the problem's not the big thing here. The relationship is the big thing here. I want to talk about my feelings and how this hurt me. And you want to talk about what the thing is and how you're going to fix it. Wow. I am like sitting here just, I'm obviously like, processing this information and thinking about my own conflict style, but I also cannot stop thinking about how this is just like love languages that if one person speaks one language and the other person speaks another, and if one person has one style and the other one has the other mm-hmm. style, you're going to feel so, if you're not aware of this, it's going to feel like you're talking in different languages or you're trying, mm-hmm. or you're both trying to solve a different math equation, you know? Absolutely. And that's the issue is that you, you are both, because you are like engaged in this conflict, that means you both care. Right. And so like the fact that you are showing it differently and it reads to the other person that you don't care or that you're like, right. Like that's, it's the same thing with love languages, right? Like when you show up and you're doing acts of service and the person is like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Yeah. And they're totally missing the fact that you are trying to show your love for them. Yeah. And I think especially, I mean, I shouted out my anxious attachment style, but um, I think that's, a particularly powerful player in this as well, because if one person needs, it needs to show more, like shows more reserve um, or thoughtful, like quiet time as a, as a way of expressing their love and expressing their conflict in a way that feels respectful to them. That can be really triggering Mm -hmm. to other people who like want to see that you care in a, in a more dynamic way. I actually don't totally relate with the, um, with the uh not loudness but the um i'm so expressive <laughs> but i don't i don't really 100 percent. i'm i'm somewhere on that spectrum of mm-hmm. of needing to talk about it um uh, but maybe not like overflowingly needing to um mm-hmm. anyway i have two questions one are do conflict styles show up differently in different relationships yeah and the reality is sort of related to that too is that like 
in America, direct and unemotional is like the the most perceived as being like the most acceptable way to to address conflict. Oh, yeah, that so. is so <laughs> gross. I just like I'm just putting all of that together, and I'm just I'm just angry. <laughs> it's about it's about uh, white supremacy. It's yeah. about patriarchy. Absolutely, like those are the things that we have sort of said are like the most acceptable ways to handle conflict, particularly like in the workplace where I yeah. think a lot of this stuff tends to come up. Wow. And I'm just thinking right now, um, when I've been in positions of leadership and conflict was difficult for me, I shamed myself. I thought like, mm-hmm. I'm not good at, I, I, I saw that as a weakness, mm. but we're, but that's because I wasn't looking at my conflict style as having value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like, and the thing is, is that I am probably much more emotionally expressive in conflict with people that I like know and trust mm-hmm. um, than I am in work or with people that I mm-hmm. don't really know. But it is like, I feel bad about it. Like, I feel totally. like I feel bad about being emotionally respect expressive. Like, if I get angry or if I get really upset and start crying, like, I'm immediately like, Ugh, I've lost. I've lost this fight. Wow. <laughs> Which is wow. like not actually what it is about. And <laughs> and actually like also conflict isn't even about winning or winning losing. Winning or losing, yeah. Right? But that's like again, that's what we've been taught as a society is that like in a fight wow, one should, person has to win, one person has to lose. Yeah, we should unpack that more on a Patreon because I'd love to think about well, how can we shift our thinking to when some when there's a conflict, when somebody disappoints you, it's not about retaliation. It's not mm-hmm. about proving to them that they were wrong and you were right. It's 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 none of that. But we've been taught we've we've kind of physicalized that, you know, that that messaging that it is that conflict is about a winning side or mm-hmm. a a more justified side when that does, that's not real. Those are parameters that we put in our minds to, like, motivate us to 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 get, to end the conflict in a way that makes us feel triumphant or heard mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, wow, wow, wow. I'm unpacking all of that. All right. Second question was, um, do you know what your, like, do you have, is it like at the Myers-Briggs where you have a sort of a name for your conflict style or is it more nebulous than that? Yeah. So mine is in sort of that indirect and unemotional Sorry, not unemotional because everyone has emotions. Yeah. Indirect and emotionally restrained category, mm-hmm. which is called discussion. Um, but it is like I'm very close to the center of the graph. And so I like compared to people who are really high in discussion, I am much more emotionally expressive and much m- more indirect than they are. Mm. Hmm. I do you know what the other play other things are called? Like discussion mm-hmm. and Yeah, so the People who are indirect and also um, emotionally restrained are in accommodation. Mm-hmm. People who are more direct but more emotionally expressive are in engagement. Mm. And people who are indirect and emotionally um, expressive are dynamic. Mm. I don't know which one I am. <laughs> mm-hmm. I need to like take an <laughs> online quiz. <laughs> yeah, you do. Um, um, because I see 
I actually feel drawn to the discussion one because I'm pretty mm-hmm. indirect or like I, I, I have a hard time saying things directly unless I'm with somebody like Willow who makes me feel very secure to be able to yeah. say like, I, I'm disappointed. You know, your your actions hurt me. I can say that to Willow because she's proved it to me that it's safe and secure, you know, and that mm-hmm. she's not going anywhere. Um, and I'm pretty em- emotional, but I mm-hmm. I don't yell and I don't I don't let my emotions take over. I, I try to mm-hmm. give myself a response and not a reaction. I'm not a yeller and I don't say things I regret. So, like, I don't know where that falls in there, but I'd have to unpack it more mm-hmm. myself unless you can diagnose me. No, and I will say, like, yeah, I just think that emotionally expressive doesn't necessarily mean yelling yeah. either, right? Yeah, like, totally. That's, but I think that's the narrative that we tell ourselves is oh that, like, God, any yeah. form of emotion is like yelling and, and <laughs> out like, of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. But you can be in total control and still be emotionally expressive. Like, you can still be that's making me. your feelings known, <laughs> like, through tears and, yeah, and like body language. And, um, but, because we have been so ingrained to think that like emotion is threatening and that really showing respect is, res- is restraining your emotion. Wow. That Like we've just categorized every person that is emotionally expressive as, as being like too loud or being scary or threatening or unprofessional. Wow. Um, yeah. And so like, it's interesting to like be in conversation with people about their conflict styles because I hear people who are more direct than me and, and I'm just like, that's, I'm definitely like more <laughs> indirect than than you think that I am. Um, but I have to show up a lot, especially at work, yes. in like a very direct, unemotional uh, way. So, yeah, and that's tolling, I'm sure. Yeah, well, and if you want to hear some actual experts talk about this again, check out the Behave podcast. Um, my friends Trina and Alfonso—they're super fun, super dynamic. Um, they're hilarious, uh, and they do amazing work in our community and across the country. Cool. I can't wait to check it out. I'm so into this. Thanks. All right. You want to get into some letters? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. The first letter is from Grudge Holder, who is writing to us from North Carolina. Hi, Sam and Sierra. I'm just going to jump in since I know y'all get a ton of letters. A few years ago, after I graduated college and moved home, my parents told me a day later that they've been separated for six months without telling me due to my dad having an affair with a coworker. To show how messed up and traumatic this was for me, I had seen them at Thanksgiving a month before, and my dad moved back in to pretend that they were fine in front of me. Everyone, and I mean everyone, knew about this affair, and I was going around oblivious to everyone falling apart around me. Since then has been a heartbreaking and roller coaster of a journey, including my parents' divorce, taking care of my mom during the most difficult phase of her life, watching her get remarried. I'm so happy for her, and the man is great, by the way. Tearful conversations with my dad about his betrayal and much more. Things have really calmed down in the past year or so, and I'm thankful. However, there are certain family dynamics that are still confusing and painful. The biggest one being that I will not meet my dad's fiance, the woman he cheated on my mom with, and this has caused tension. My dad and I have had private conversations about this, and I've told him directly that I love him and I want to keep working on a relationship, but meeting the fiance isn't going to happen. My brother recently tried to pick a fight with me by saying I was, quote, holding a grudge and asked me why I refused to meet her. Also, this was at a family gathering in front of everyone, so I calmly responded and said, 
I've talked to dad about it. I don't have relationships in my life that aren't going to fulfill me. And I don't want to don't need to meet her. I know my dad doesn't like my refusal to meet her. And I know there will come a time like my brother's upcoming wedding where I have to be in the same room as this woman. I get that and accept it. But am I really holding a grudge? The way I look at it, I'm setting a boundary. I don't mind being civil when necessary, but this isn't a woman I'm going to get many petties with or call for advice. It simply isn't going to happen. How do you suggest I move forward with difficult family members who don't want to respect or accept this boundary? Lots of love, Grudge Holder. All right, Grudge Holder, thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this tricky family situation. I'm sorry Mm -hmm. for your grief. I'm sorry that this happened. Um, I'm sorry that this was handled in such a way that made you feel such betrayal, like additional Mm. betrayal. I think divorce is difficult um, Mm -hmm. for for many people. Um, And oftentimes, unfortunately, the way that it's handled um, by the parents, you know, is that avoidant conflict way, you know, like (laughs) in a way that makes it feel as though they weren't being honest with you and not trusting you with this for a reason. Um, mm. But e- even even immediately as I say that, something comes to mind, Grudge Holder, um, which is that, wow, that was a really complicated, messy, painful breakup for the two of them. Like, mm-hmm. I bet there was a lot of stuff that they had to parse through and figure out. and And it is fucked up that they didn't tell you. It is fucked up. But maybe they needed that time and space. Like, what did your mm-hmm. mother need and your dad need? Like, maybe they needed to pretend it was okay just for that little bit longer. And trust me, like, this, <laughs> I don't know where that came from. Because, like, all my notes are like, yeah, do whatever you want. But, like, here's the <laughs> truth. <laughs> you, you know, like, we're going to unpack how complicated this is. So I don't want you to think that I'm immediately like, you know, be cool with this. Because I'm not. But as I was saying that, I was overcome by, like yuck like how messy and painful that must have been um and sometimes people don't want to bring their pain out into the light yet Mm -hmm. and i think and i think people make weird decisions when they're trying to protect other people yes that is such a perfect way to phrase that right and and i'll just also say like there's really no good way to handle telling people that you got divorced or you're getting divorced right like there's just no good way um and so, like, they didn't do it in a good way, but also, like, the options for goodness were, like, very limited. Especially <laughs> with infidelity, like, mm-hmm. it's just yucky. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I'm on your side. Um, we are your champions, but I'm also, like, seeing two people who had their relationship ended in a really messy, shitty way. Yeah, I'm not trying to say, I'm not trying to prove you wrong. Right, right, right. That's a perfect way to phrase it. Yeah, yep, yep. I'm trying to, I'm trying to offer you a way to look at this that might be more fulfilling and, and nutritious for you. Yeah. To say like, yeah, they handled this poorly, but also their options were limited and, and they were going through a really hard time and it's going to, it's going to make me feel better to offer them grace and forgiveness than it is for me to like hold this this pain in my heart anymore because they can't make a different decision you can't nope. uncheat on your mother you can't right. they can't they, change the way they told you and yeah. and that is like a spiky bitter p- pill to swallow but like it is the only pill to swallow it is the only <laughs> thing that happened you know mm-hmm. that's right 
Um, and I actually love, I love what Sam just said because all of my notes are like, let's reframe this because you can't change it. Mm-hmm. You can't change it. So let's reframe this in our brain. How do we, how do we change the way we carry it so that it, 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 it leads us to our best and most authentic life. And guess what? Your mm-hmm. best mo- and most authentic life might not include this woman. If you yep. hear all of this advice and you still decide like, you know what? Like I I just don't want this relationship in my life, then that is the choice that you made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and that you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like sometimes I have to give myself the option of doing the thing that I most want to do and then realize like, oh, well, that's not actually the thing that I wanted to do. To do, do. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like, yeah. Like to say, if you don't want to talk to this woman ever in your life, you do not have to. You can, you can absolutely refuse to meet with her one-on-one. You could skip your brother's wedding if you wanted to, just because you don't want to see her. Like you, that is an option for mm-hmm. you. You like, you have autonomy and choice in the situation and your choices can be to never, ever in your whole life, meet this woman. If that's what you want to do, mm-hmm. that is, that is absolutely an option on the table for you. Yeah. But let's start the reframing process. First of all, it's okay that you don't want to meet her or you're not ready to meet her. Mm-hmm. Um, but your f- father having a girlfriend is not wrong. Mm-hmm. And it hurts. This all hurts. The infidelity hurts. But this is what people do. And our parents are people. Our people, mm. people fuck up. People make mistakes. People fall in love and in inopportune, hurtful ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and another one more, one more like clunky, chunky pill <laughs> to swallow. Uh-huh. This woman is not the reason why your parents' marriage ended. Mm. Mm-hmm. She's Absolutely. Not, she might feel like it. She might feel like the vessel of blame that you can point all your discomfort at, but she's not the reason why they got divorced. Absolutely. And I think, I think one of the uh, the most natural things for us to do in these types of situations when we're trying to find forgiveness for people who have hurt us is to find another villain where we can put all of the anger and resentment, right? Instead of working through that anger and resentment with the other person, we're like, well, I will just make them blameless in this situation and put all of the pain onto this person, right? Like I, that is, I think, one of the things that I have seen in my time of grief is that it's so much easier to just take all of the hurt and pain and put it on a person and say, that person's an asshole and I'm going to hate them as opposed to hating this person who died or this right. person who did this thing to me. Right. Right. And, and I say that to say like, I don't blame you for it. Like it's, yeah. that's, that's what our brains and bodies want to do. Um, but I do think that there is a place where you can understand that blame was everywhere in the situation and also people were just making the best decisions that they could in those moments. Mm-hmm. Um, none of us, none of us grieve perfectly. Mm. None of us move through relationships perfectly. Um, and so, so take that as like a reinforcement. You're doing exactly what you need to do right now. You're right. This is a mm-hmm. boundary you're setting up right now. The question yep. in the letter is, is this a boundary or a grudge? And like, what should I do with all these feelings? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but like you're, you're grieving the exact way that you need to right now. Um, yep. I also wanted to push back on one thing um, or like maybe reframe or turn it to see a different perspective. Um, your, I, I loved your response to your brother about saying like, 
I've discussed with this with my dad. This is not something between you and I, brother, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I loved that. But you said that you don't have relationships that don't feel for, fulfill you in your life. Um, but you are going to have relationships in your life that don't fulfill you. That mm. sounds like strange, but that is just a weird fact of life. Like whether it is coworkers or whether it is like a family in law person or, uh-huh. um, you know, a friend that you start to feel more and more disconnected to, but you have a connection with because of time and proximity or whatever. Like, I guess why I want to turn that around a little is because we put a lot of pressure on our relationships to be mm. everything or all fulfilling. And yep. I have right now, I have relationships in my life that don't fulfill me, but they provide yes. something or they're just there because they're proximity. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. yep. and, and so I don't, I'm not saying that again, I liked Sam's phrase. Like, we're not trying to like prove you wrong. I'm just trying to add to this narrative of like, Yes, that is a great goal to like look at my relationships and think critically like do they fulfill me? Where do I want to put my energy? And right now you don't want to put your energy in this. That makes sense. But we we have relationships everywhere that don't fulfill us. That is like a mm-hmm. part of life. Absolutely. The other thing that I would want to reframe is um is when you sort when you say I don't mind being civil when necessary, but this isn't a woman I'm going to get many petties with or call for advice. Yeah, fuck that. And, yeah, no, absolutely. But that. I also, <laughs> you don't have to do that. Sorry, sorry. But I also want you to, I want you to ask yourself, what, what are my, what is my dad actually asking of me? Mm. Right? Because you are jumping to this. He wants me to be best friends with her. And that's not, at least from what you said, that's not what he's asking you, right? He's asking mm. you to just meet her. And so I don't want you to catastrophize what you think your father, what you think your father is expecting of you, right? Because there's a world, there is a world of difference between will you meet this person who I'm getting married to and who will be in my life for the foreseeable future? Who's making me happy? Who is making me happy, right? Who's fulfilling me? Will you me? share this happiness with me? Absolutely. And will you be best friends with this woman, <laughs> right? <laughs> and so I think it is, and I say that to you to to take some of the pressure off of this situation. Like mm, it is, mm-hmm. it is... You don't have to love this woman. You don't have to like this woman. All you have to do is exactly what you say and be civil when you meet her, right? And and I think what you what might be helpful for you in sort of repairing the relationship with your father and doing that work that needs to be done because you love him and want him in your life is to show an act of kindness by just meeting this woman, right? Not necessarily going out and getting drunk with her or like talking about you know, your, your boy troubles. Right. But like, I shouldn't assume that you're dating men. I apologize for that. <laughs> you're, I was going to say girl or them. <laughs> yeah. Your, your romantic problems. Yeah. Um, but instead just meeting, meeting her. Yeah. Right? And I think sometimes if we take the, like the end step out of this, the thing that we have to do and just focus on like, all I have to do right now is meet this woman. One day at a time. Yeah. That seems so much easier. That seems like, okay, I can do that. If it's going to make everyone happy, I can make, I can definitely meet this woman. And I totally agree. And I would also (laughs) add to that. Like, I know that that one, that one meeting can feel really anxiety inducing and stressful and painful. You know, it's like we do, I, I agree with Sam ultimately because when we, when we stop making 
it about like an unrealistic expectation being best friends with this woman and make it like i just need to meet her right um mm-hmm. it disemp- it like uh takes the power away from the moment but then our anxiety comes in and says oh my god where are we gonna sit is she gonna want to like touch me does she want to <laughs> hug me what are we gonna talk about it's gonna be so awkward it's gonna be so awkward and painful and i hate it and i don't want to do it and mm-hmm. that's when we have to say that's when we have to start speaking logic to our anxiety um and we have to start like um nurturing our pain a little my honestly grudge holder my biggest piece of advice like next to all these um reframing or or reimagining of these things that Sam and I have said is do you really want to meet her at the wedding do you want right. do you want that special day to be filled with the stress and anxiety of trying to figure out where she is in the room at all times so you can avoid her. Mm-hmm. I think that like me stepping away from, you know, like not, not a part of this situation. I don't feel the pain that you feel like. So again, I'm an outsider. Sam and I are outsiders and we're looking in and we think like, do you want to taint that day in that way? Is it, wouldn't it, both of them would be hard, but wouldn't it be, like easier like ripping off a band-aid just like meeting them for coffee once or going over to the house and staying for 20 minutes or something right and then it's out of the way and then you don't actually have to fucking see her again (laughs) (laughs) Or, or whatever or that relationship can unfold the way that it is um but unfortunately your father is a whole flawed human and your father's in love your father mm-hmm. met this love in a way that hurt you, but he's still in love. And and if you want to love your dad wholly, you don't have to love his wife, his fiance. You don't have to have a relationship with her. But there there's gonna come a point where where you're gonna you're gonna cross paths with her. And I and I and I'm just I'm wondering, do you want it to happen in a way in which you can control the environment? You can control your emotions or your response and you can be that civil person that you know you can be. Or do you want it to happen out of your control where you're half drunk in a bridesmaid's dress or whatever mm-hmm. at your brother's special day or something? I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I would not want to meet this person at my brother's wedding. <laughs> like, honestly. Yeah. But, because I just think it would be so it would be such a distraction from what I'm actually there for, which is to celebrate my brother and his love. Right. Yeah. And, and so again, like we're not trying to, to argue with you. Right. We're trying to sort of help you think about this in a way that, that sort of sees the reality of the fact that like, you're absolutely right. Like you're probably going to have to be in the same room with this woman. That's unless you totally take yourself out of your, any, any situation that she is going to be at. Right. But I think what we're trying to say is like, how can you do this in a way that's going to be easier for you to, and going to like make this situation less fraught for you? Mm-hmm. Because the reality is, is you absolutely can say, I'm never meeting this woman ever again, but that means you're going to have to cut out a lot of different parts of your life that I think that you really love and enjoy. Right. Because like this woman's going to come to your brother's wedding. She's going to come to Christmas probably like (laughs) if they get married, like she's going to be around when you Mm -hmm. like go visit your dad. Right. So like, how can you get to a situation where you can at least like be in the same room with this woman? Yeah. We're not. Go ahead. Sorry. Without causing yourself pain and harm. Right. Without, without sort of, 
hurting yourself all over again in the ways that your your parents hurt you. Yeah. We are not trying to change your mind. We're trying to empower you. And I think mm-hmm. we often think about boundaries as like, I'm putting up this boundary so that people can't hurt me. I'm putting up this boundary so that I don't have to do what I don't want to do. In reality, though, in, in practice, in, in everyday life, boundaries often don't look like a wall. They look like the 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 way in which we can do something that empowers us the most because we have mm. to do things we don't want to do in life. We have to do things we don't want to do in relationships, right? And and mm-hmm. to, and to have a for, a full relationship with your father, to accept him wholly as who he is in this moment. Whenever you get to the point where you want to do that, because it doesn't have to be right now, but it will in- ultimately include meeting his wife, I think. Right. Um, Absolutely. And, and we think about boundaries as walls like you can't treat me this way. I don't want to. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to have this person in my life. But a lot of times in, in practice, in everyday functioning, boundaries look like, well, how am I going to communicate mm. with somebody who's hard to communicate with? Or mm-hmm. how am I going to have a relationship with my mother um, and not let her um, speak down to me? You know, like, how, how are we going to sustain things in the most sustainable way for us? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that I love that reframing of what a boundary is because it boundaries can be walls for sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Like again, they you don't want to meet this woman ever again. You, you do not have to, but they are boundaries are often much more of a internal process, right? Ways of, of a, operating internally. Yeah. Like yeah. I will accept this type of behavior from you and I will not accept this type of behavior mm-hmm. from you or, you know, and it is not about, it is often not about, the wall. It's about how can I be in relationship with this person who is fraught or who, who behaves in ways that I don't, that, that hurt me or right. So like, yep. This boundary doesn't have to be a all or nothing situation. It can be more porous than that. Yes. Beautiful word. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and I think the last thing Sam and I both want to say is, is despite everything we said, this is your timeline. Nobody grieves. Mm-hmm perfectly no one gets to tell you what you know what your boundaries are and and what your timeline is we're just two idiot strangers across the world telling you what we perceive from this and hopefully giving you a different way to look at it so you could move through it with a little bit more um empathy for all including yourself right Mm -hmm. how do you advocate for yourself while moving forward instead of standing still um and but that all being said, this can happen at any time you want. If you want to meet her at the wedding, cool. If you want to, like, not meet her at the wedding and just, like, avoid her all night, that's fine, too. Um, you are the decider. You get to decide how you move through this relationship. Absolutely. And and meeting your dad where he's at and meeting some of his requests of you isn't forfeiting control. Yes. Right? It may feel like it, but you have the autonomy and decision-making power to to decide when and how you're going to meet this woman, right? right? Like, again, you could never meet her if you want to. You <laughs> still have control over that situation. And what your dad is asking you is not asking you to give up that control. He, he is just asking you to meet him in a place where you can both find a way to make space for this woman in your life because mm-hmm. she's already, she's going to be there. She's, she's right? already there. 
right? So like we either create space for her that's in because she's already there, or we continue to sort of find ways to remove yourself from the situation more and more. And I don't mm-hmm. think that's what you want to do. So again, not trying to argue, just trying to say like, these are the facts on the ground. Let's figure out a plan to make this work as best as possible for you. Yes, absolutely. Grudge holder. We love you. We believe in you. We know this is hard. We know this is hard. Um, but you're capable of doing hard things in a graceful, authentic way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for writing. Good luck. We love you. Did you know that nearly 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about? I will tell you that I 100% am in that 75% of people. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had maybe, I don't know, 15 subscriptions, um, but I couldn't believe it when actually I had way more than that. And it was things that I both had forgotten about and not forgotten about, but like seeing it all in one place was a real sort of amazing moments of clarity for me from streaming services and fitness apps and delivery services. Like everyone's trying to sell you a subscription now. And Rocket Money is great because it helps make sure that you're no longer wasting money on the ones that you forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that helps find and cancel your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place. And if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. I love how the dashboard helps me see this month's spending compared to last month so I can clearly see my spending habits. It is humbling (laughs) and incredibly helpful. Uh And They'll also help me create a custom budget and keep my spending on track. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lower bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with customer service for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in cancel subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash just break up. That's rocketmoney.com slash just break up. Rocketmoney.com slash just break up all right our next letter comes from i like it but should i put a ring on it (laughs) who is writing from the midwestern u.s hi sam and sierra i have a simple question with probably a, a very complicated answer why the hell do i want to get married so badly I don't want to be just anyone's wife, and I've never been that crazy about weddings or marriage as a whole. I've been with my partner, he, him, for four and a half years now. Let's call him N. N is not from the U.S., and for three years, our long-distance relationship spread across two different continents. We'd see each other for about two weeks every six months, and once or twice, we were able to get an extra visit in. It breaks my heart a little just to write that out, because now we live together, and I can't imagine ever being away from him like that again. Don't get me wrong, we're both very independent people, and long distance was not easy, but if it had been too hard, we wouldn't have done it. But really, we only saw each other six to eight times in three years. It worked for us then, but I'm so happy to be together now. It makes my heart ache a little for my past self who didn't know what she was missing out on by not uprooting her whole life to to live with this man ASAP. 
I'm kidding, but only a little bit. Anyway, I digress. Yes, we live together now. My partner was lucky to find work in the U.S. and skate narrowly through a visa, the visa process in which 75% of applicants don't get approved. He made it back to the U.S. just before COVID hit, which would have left him stuck in his home country. This is all to say we are beyond lucky to be together. Even the way we met was a happy little coincidence. I was studying for an exam in my university cafeteria, and he came over to introduce himself. He was confident and respectful and kind and gave me a little piece of paper with his number on it, saying that he thought I was really cute and would like to take me out that weekend. I texted him almost right away, anxious attachment style, what up? (laughs) And we got ice cream the next night. On that first date, I told him where I was from and he said, oh, that's funny. I just signed up for a, a summer job in that city. Like, I don't know if I believe in fate, but I'm sorry, what? We meet randomly. I feel like we've known each other for years right off the bat and you're moving to where I live. We were really, truly lucky. For context, we spent that remaining semester and summer together. Then he had to move back to where to his home country for three years. He's been back in the U.S. for a year and a half while I moved around for work until I finally moved in with him permanently two months ago. Living together the past few months has been so, so, so great. It might be a little honeymooning phase, but I honestly don't know if it is. We lived together for a few months last year, and this just feels so different than any previous part of our relationship. We recently went to couples counseling, destigmatize that shit, y'all, just to find some tools to bridge the gap between our different communication styles. We didn't go because something was wrong, which is what our counselor said is what happens most of the time. Rather, we went because we knew that the main source of our infrequent but real conflict came from an issue that could be easily addressed, and we recognized that we needed a little support navigating how to address it. I am so proud of us for doing that. It has made us that much closer. That pretty much brings us to now, which is where I find myself in this marriage-obsessed state of thinking. We have already talked about getting married, but I'm 23 and have always wanted to wait until my mid to late 20s. But something just feels right right now. Maybe I'm coming at this from a scarcity mindset. His physical presence has also been scarce in my life, and now it's abundant. And I'm just scared it will go away for reasons outside of our control, i.e. immigration. And I want to tether myself to him legally to prevent it. Is that unhealthy? I know I'm going to marry this man someday, but I am so young right now. I'm scared that I want this so badly out of fear more so than love. Although there is a lot of also a lot of love there, like an overwhelming amount. I have a hard time trusting my gut, but something just feels right about our relationship in this exact moment. He is so supportive and so loving. Our communication, which has always been good because hello, long distance, it has to be, has been incredible lately. He's been honest about his feelings, even though he's always struggled with telling me what's on his mind. He tells me he wants space and always returns to me with love. He And he is uh, so attentive to my needs. I guess my question is, if it feels so right, why can't I just leave it be? Where is this urge to get married coming from? Why do I want to get married so badly? That last sentence was all in caps. So. <laughs> P.S. I always think it's important to point out that I'm not here just wanting a wedding or a ring or a dress, although I'd be lying if I said I didn't have a Pinterest board. <laughs> We're both very introverted and would not have a traditional wedding anyway. So this is more about being married and calling him my husband than it is about mm. the act of getting married. Yeah. All right, my darling. What should we call them? What should we call her further? Like ring, ring, ring. Okay. Um, all right. Ring. Um, thank you so much for writing. First, I just want you to take a deep breath, deep breath. Yes. Please take a deep breath (laughs) because you and your relationship is safe and healthy. Mm -hmm. 
and I and I feel a lot of you hit the nail on the head scarcity mindset in mm. here and anxiety um, that all of this goodness is going to go away. Yep. And I want to say, I, I want to just pose a question that you obviously can't answer <laughs> right now <laughs> aloud, but like, is there a place in this relationship? I mean, the answer is yes to this, but like, is there also a place outside of your relationship that has taught you in your past that good things don't last? because I feel a lot of anxiety coming from this letter. I mean, it's okay to want to get married. I don't want to shame. I don't want to shame young women for wanting to get married. Although like upon first glance at this letter, I would say, don't get married (laughs) (laughs) or like, don't get married young. I, I, that I have that feeling, but what the fuck do I know? Literally nothing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, but I just want you to take a deep breath and say, I am safe. My love is safe. My love is good. I am healthy. My relationship is healthy. And just because things are good does not mean I need to prepare for them to be bad or, or mm-hmm. you know, like get the bat in the hatches. Ha- is that a thing? I, th- I think so, but I don't think like <laughs> what a weird <laughs> phrase. <laughs> it's like a boat. It's like a pirate boat. Yes, but I don't know what a hatch is, and I don't know what Tibetan means. So, <laughs> it was one of those phrases that I thought uh, I knew that I, instead of like not saying, I threw myself at. So yeah, I probably just, said the wrong bam. like syllables or consonances. You just like uh, bodily threw yourself into that. I was like, that the hatches, you know? I don't know. <laughs> oh, release the kraken! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, you're fine. <laughs> Take a deep breath. It does none of this has to be um I think a lot of times our anxiety is literally fed by us saying, "Well, what if what if what if? Oh my god, what if what if what if?" instead of saying, "Wow, look at all this goodness I have right now. Aren't I mm. so happy right now?" Absolutely. And I think that that's what uh, Brene Brown calls for- foreboding joy, mm. which is that process when you look at your cat and you think, I love this cat so much and he's going to die. <laughs> this is not the first time <laughs> you have referenced <laughs> like impending Todd or like waiting for Todd to die, essentially. Well, that's because like that was the clearest moment when I yeah. read when I read Daring Greatly and she was talking about foreboding joy. I was like, oh, my God, I do this to my cat, which is like. When he's on me and I'm petting him and I'm so filled with love, I think, oh, my God, please don't die. Please don't die. Please he's don't gonna, die. Oh, my God. Right? Like <gasps> So real. I did that with no, my and dog it's so real. who died. <laughs> <laughs> because the thing is, is that you can't control whether yeah. or not your dog or cat dies. Yeah. Right? No. Um, and so what I want to say to you is, like, what comes to me from your letter. And, like, again, this is what? 300 words or something like i don't know you we're idiots but (laughs) right but what's coming to me from your letter is this sense of i am so happy right now and someday i will not be happy yeah right like someday this will leave me and the what Brene brown recommends in daring greatly in those moments is to sit in gratitude so to to say wow, I am so concerned about my cat dying Mm -hmm. because I love him so much because I am so grateful to have him in my life, to have him right now on my belly as I scratch his little Mm. face and he makes those weird little faces, right? Most sensual animal I've ever met. So sensual, so soft. Um, 
And so what I want you to do right now, Ring, is to think about this relationship and say, when you think like, oh my God, something might happen, like it might go away. He might be deported because like we live in this fascist state right now and say like, wow, I'm worried about this because I love him so much and I'm so thankful to have him in my life. And I'm going to, I'm going to focus on that gratitude rather than focus on things that are outside of my control Mm -hmm. right now. And, or to, I don't want to, I don't want to sacrifice the gratitude I'm feeling by worrying about things that aren't happening right now. Right. And and so I love that phrase sacrificing, right? Because you know, one of the things is like, I don't want to, I don't want to intentionally deny myself joy or intentionally deny myself gratitude anymore. Right. Like, and that's something that we all do is like, oh, I shouldn't be happy because of this, or I shouldn't be grateful because this is going to end. And so, yes, things might happen. This relationship could deteriorate at some point, right? Yes. Your partner could be deported. Yes. You could like this communication stuff that you're going through could turn into like an actual compatibility issue and this relationship will end, but that's not happening right now. <laughs> and that's <laughs> not how we live like vibrantly. We, we, we cannot live in the future. Absolutely. And so I know that you say that you're not coming at this from a scarcity mindset, but worrying that this person's going to leave is operating from a scarcity yeah. mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to directly challenge you on that and say like this, this fear that you're feeling over the end of this relationship or things happening where he's going to be taken away from you is, is operating in scarcity, right? Yeah. Like you have been long distance. You can be long distance again, right? Like, mm. oh, I love that. Are, right. There are, there are other people out there that could provide you with also love and attention mm-hmm. and care as well. Even if this man find if you find that this man isn't able to do that with you. Um, so I absolutely think like, yeah, this man seems awesome. Like seems Way really great. Seems to be supporting you so happy. And, and I have gratitude for your relationship too. Right. I'm, I'm so thankful that you found someone that sort of meets all of these needs that you have. Um, but, and I hope that someday you do get married, right? But I don't want you to get married because you are afraid of what is going to happen if you yeah, don't. I totally agree. And I love that you were talking about your needs, that needs. I've been thinking a lot lately, um, like a little tangentially from this letter, about how we all get our needs met, <laughs> whether <clears throat> we are capable or not of getting them met in a, in a healthy way. Like, mm-hmm. meaning... If we, if we if we don't have the tools or resources to get our needs met in a healthy way, we will get them met in an unhealthy way. You know, like if I am not feeling love, it, it's like the age old thing where like if there if you're unhappy in your relationship, you're going to go cheat and get some. I don't know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know what that curmudgeon <laughs> old person was that just I came liked out. It. But like, you know, or like. When I was younger, when I didn't have the tools to um, handle conflict and to say, like, um, I'm 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 unhappy in this relationship, um, I'm I'm going to I have to leave. I would like ghost somebody or like do a little mm. weird, weird trail off or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. We And I would get my needs met in that way. S- super. This is tangential. But like I've been thinking <laughs> a lot about that, that like we yeah. or, and particularly in anxiety our 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 anxiety gets its needs met in in any way we let it right 
issues of being afraid of the future, feeling a loss of control. What do we do? Mm -hmm. Then we start nitpicking. Then we start fantasizing. We start catastrophizing. And and all of a sudden, our anxiety feels its needs are met, right? Like it's, it's, it's just been scratched. If you, if you, your anxiety is like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm existing. I'm hungry and scared and anxious, (laughs) right? And then you, and then in response to that anxiety, you say, I really want to get married because what if we break up one day, <laughs> you know, or yeah, like, yep. what if this is so good? This is the good, the best it's going to get. I got to like lock it down now or whatever. Our, mm-hmm. We will get our needs met in healthy or unhealthy ways. And your need here, is it to feel secure or accomplished or, mm. or, um, or like this love isn't going to go away like it has in the past, you know? Mm-hmm. And I want to get to that need you know and i just want to reiterate i am not shaming you for i don't please don't feel shame for wanting to get married i think it's a very natural thing absolutely not, o- not only are we like saturated with marriage as children um or the idea of marriage uh whether by the media or our families or 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 whatever but we're also told that when you have a good relationship the next step is marriage it's not mm-hmm. sit in your gratitude and grow this relationship, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's no. like legally bind it, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, get that, lock that down before it goes away. Right. Right. Like that, I think that is often, even if that's not explicit, right? Like, even if that's not what we're thinking, like that is the implication of what marriage is in, in so many, so many things that we consume and so many things that have been taught to us. Right. right. Like, even if you're not thinking like, oh, I need to put a ring on this so that he doesn't leave me, right? Like that is what we've been told marriage is. And like t- you are Security. talking to two married people right now. So right. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> obviously yeah. we like, we find value in this institution in some way. Yeah. I was like, I never want you to leave me. So yeah, exactly. I was me. like, uh, <laughs> but the reality is that putting a ring on this situation isn't going to control it. Right? Yeah. Like, isn't going to offer you more control over whether or not this man leaves you. Yeah. <laughs> like, which, which leads me to like my actual piece of advice. I feel like each letter I have one piece of advice and then a bunch of musings. <laughs> my actual piece of advice is this. While I do not think there's anything wrong with wanting and craving and fantasizing about getting married. Mm-hmm. My straight up like person to person advice is don't get married right now. Mm-hmm. You're still very young. Your goal, your authentic goal was to get married in your mid twenties. And Mm. this relationship is still inherently very young. And that is not to devalue or your relationship or put it in like a hierarchy, but long distance relationship and in-person relationship, they are totally different experiences. So it's like you were in one chapter of your relationship and now we've, we've turned the page and you're in a different chapter, but this different chapter, as I'm sure you've found has different um, conflicts, has different benefits. Oh my God, the Mm -hmm. benefits of living together after being long distance. It's like a sensory overload, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Um, and you like you deserve time to figure each other out more. And I'm and the problem with this advice is I'm afraid that you would do what I would do, which I would hear criticism instead of um, 
I don't know, just like a stranger's suggestion. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. not criticizing your relationship. I, I think it's very healthy. Like, this is what Willow and I did. Willow and I were long distance, and then we lived together for fucking six months and got engaged and got married after living together for a year. So, like, mm-hmm. we did this all very quickly, too. But I, I felt comfortable in that timeline because I am in my 30s. <laughs> not a scarcity mindset, though, thing. Not a scarcity. Just, just about, like, a surety, you know? I feel like I'm digging myself into a hole. But th- this is my genuine advice is that, like, that timeline sounds good to me. That timeline sounds healthy. And and if you if you if you look at it from not a scarcity mindset and instead rooted in your gratitude and rooted in the present, look at all mm. this time that you have with your partner. And guess mm-hmm. what? The word partner or boyfriend is is not value, does not have less value than the word husband. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And you you guys can still do so much growing as a relationship outside of the confines of a marital agreement, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can still grow the seriousness and legitimacy of this relationship in so many ways. Um, Absolutely. And also wedding planning is a bitch. So. Oh my God. <laughs> literally didn't i'm like i love event planning i love it i did not think it was going to be so stressful it was so it no, was it's, legitimately probably like the first argument willow and i ever had was over wedding planning no absolutely <laughs> no and but like it's like the great trial by fire is my <laughs> my like you have to plan a wedding now so like good luck if you make it through yeah. this like you're gonna be golden and i uh, don't i don't sorry just one more thing i don't want you to hear me say don't get married now and be like well she's telling me that because all of the things she said about my relationship and because i'm young um I, what do i know i don't know your heart i don't know your life if on the outside looking in 25 is still really young to get married, right? Most mm-hmm. of the people I know get married past 25. So there's there's no right or wrong way to do it, but you have so much time. You have so much beautiful time, as the poet Olivia Gatwitz says. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of where this anxiety and immediacy is coming from is the idea that you don't have time. That, that this is unstable and unsafe and that you right. need to you need to reinforce yourself um, with this with this marital structure when you can do that in a lot of other ways like you know I love that you guys are going to couples therapy go to therapy on your own too like un mm-hmm. you know learn about yourself the most now that is so powerful you know absolutely yeah and I think you know people talk about sort of the relationship escalator too, right? Of like, mm. you start out doing this and then you move in together and then you get married and then you have children. And then like, like there's like this idea that, that relationships need to be in a constant upward, quote wow. unquote, upward. Wow, wow, wow. I love that. Movement, mm-hmm. right? But I think that they're, that where I think relationships really find their roots is in those moments of peaceful quiet, right? Where you mm, are just sitting yes. and enjoying the presence of each other, right? Like, yes. and presence, like in a physical sense, and also presence in sort of like an emotional and like mental sense too, right? Like just totally. being in presence together. Mm-hmm. And if we're constantly worried about like, oh, I need to be moving forward, I need to be moving up, I need to be going to the next thing, then we don't create that space for wow. for people to really sort of find like put their roots down together. Wow. And so I think you should get married. Let's be clear. Like right. I think like. This is a That's goal for you. Like, you yeah, want to get married? Do it. Like, <laughs> do it. But also don't get married. Don't 
don't follow this sort of quote unquote upward trajectory at the expense of making sure that the roots that you like making sure that the roots are there and also just enjoying the act yeah, take, of like take your time sitting deep breath yeah <laughs> right sitting in the sunlight together right yes. allowing for the opportunity to continue to grow in this moment in this yes. place where you're at before you try and get to something else like yes you have so much time there is so much love in this relationship for you you don't have to prove it you don't have to lock it down you don't have to make sure that you get it now because it's not going to be there in the future just just sit and breathe and enjoy the wonder that is being in a loving relationship with another person absolutely i i, I just want to say i love that sam said i want you to get married because i think so often when, especially when we're talking about age too, um, mm -hmm. I feel like the assumption is, you know, or even when I, when I was younger, I was like, oh, I don't think people should get married when they're younger because it won't work out. Right. Like that was my fear, but that's mm -hmm. even, that is a scarcity <clears throat> mindset. My mm -hmm. mindset much more now is I want to be able to like, I want to know myself, um, and, the the most today right so that i am the most capable of of moving through life with as much grace and understanding for myself and others as possible and mm -hmm. my darling ring like sam just said it get married but enjoy the next two years right like mm -hmm. enjoy the enjoy your relationship right now take a deep breath of gratitude and calm um and realize that you have everything that you need right now and mm -hmm. and and the your sense of self your in your sense of your relationship will only grow with time. Absolutely. Yeah. And but like what do we know? Like get married. <laughs> <laughs> uh and also when you get married, read uh, a practical wedding by Meg Keen, which Fucking is the just... best book ever. But don't buy it now. Honestly. Don't buy it now. Don't buy it now. You have plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to give that book another shout out because I literally send it to every person that's it getting married. It is so good. It is so good. All right. Let's get into our next letter, which yes, is... Yes, but also thank you for writing, Ring. We love you. Oh my God, I got distracted by the book. We love you so fucking much. You have so much goodness. You have so much goodness. Um, we love you and thanks for writing. All right. Our final letter is from Jeez Louise, who is writing to us from Louisiana. Dear Sam and Sierra, I completely understand if this isn't the right place to submit this kind of letter about a relationship. I'm 32 years old woman, and I feel like I'm losing a relationship that is only supposed to grow stronger with time. The relationship with myself. I've been lonely for a very long time and in the process of trying to find love, connection with others and trying to find the one, I feel like I've severed or harmed the relationship I need to have with myself. A bit of background. I didn't have the best upbringing. We were poor as shit and my dad was abusive as hell. As a result, I've been in a horribly abusive relationships and have put up with a lot of crap for, quote, crumbs of affection. However, in order to cope with that, one of my key survival tactics has always been imagining that I endured all that pain and trauma, but eventually none of it would matter as I would have a happy home of my own with the love of my life and a great job. As I get older, 
the more impossible a happy home and loving relationship seems. And so I've had to be realistic and put them to the side. As a result of not having these goals anymore, I don't seem to enjoy the things I used to enjoy. And I certainly don't enjoy my own company anymore. Every time I start the process of looking into myself to find out more about who I am, I feel like I'm just looking at a desert with tumbleweeds. Some days I catch myself crying a lot about how it feels like a lot of my portion joy in this life was sacrificed without my consent, and I haven't been given a consolation prize. Instead, I've been made to feel empty and hopeless inside. I Mm. desperately want to have new goals and find out more about myself because even just casually dating without the attached hope of falling in love or being loved is becoming more and more terrifying. I don't want to present a bad version or an empty slash lost version of myself to someone else. How do I start this journey of finding out who I am now that I know I can't have those things I've dreamed of in my 20s? Who am I without those things? How do I let go of this feeling that I'm walking around aimlessly? How do I get actual goals I can complete? Any help other than join a pottery class would be really great. I don't have anything against pottery, really, but it just seems like an expensive hobby. <laughs> Legit. I love you both, and thank you for being such beacons of light every Monday. Uh, thank you so much, Jeez Louise. We really appreciate this letter, and thanks for listening and writing. Absolutely. Um. Wow. <laughs> this letter is... Is not only really touching, it's very poetic. Um, and mm-hmm. I'm sorry to be the nerdy poet who says that, but I felt um I felt honored to read your words. I felt a grace in them. Um, and I say that because it's obvious that you're having a hard time speaking to yourself um with the love and um respect that you deserve. And I want you to know that, like, even your letter emanated grace. <laughs> even your letter mm-hmm. made me want to know you. And um, even your letter made me feel close to you because I've felt these things. And I know mm-hmm. a lot of listeners are going to feel um, a connection to you. I think that might sound like a little hall- hallmarky, but it's it's important to know that we're not alone, especially in the our subconscious struggles the things that we have a the most hard time with the things that are like in the shadows in in our subconscious are oftentimes the things that connect us the most that we don't know about yeah i i think this is one of those letters where it is hard to even know the right things to say Mm. because i um because of the way that you've written it um like i just feel i feel what you're feeling right like the the empathy in me is just so heightened right now. And Mm. I like, I just sort of want to sit with you in this moment and say like, yeah, this is, this is a hard place to be. This feeling of, of emptiness, of hopelessness, of giving up on goals that you've had for a long time. And I, and I, that feeling of looking inside yourself and seeing only a desert with tumbleweeds um, just resonates with me so much because I think for so much of my life and even now too, the big question has been of like, who am I? Right. Mm. Like not to strip away the things I've learned from others or the things I've been taught and, right. or 
the goals that others have created for me. And like, what am I like, who, who is left then? Wow. Um, and I think that that's, I had a really hard time with that. Um, when I was younger for sure. And still have a hard time with it now. Yeah. And saying that like, wow, I am nothing. I am nothing without these things that others have taught me or these things that I've taken from others. Um, until I, it had to have a come to moment or come to Jesus moment and say like, no, those things that I have taken on those goals that I've had, those, those things that I've learned are of me. They are who I am. And I am thankful for the ways in which I have been in relationship with others or experienced life with other people and realized that like, I'm not empty and barren inside of me. Mm. I am, I am filled with the, the insights and love of other people. And mm. that is what continues to sustain me. Wow. I want to add to that. I'm so glad you said that so eloquently um, and vulnerably, because I also, I want to add something that's like slightly connected to that feeling of, of who, what am I, who am I? And this will be like, I have two ideas that I want to try to like, unpack but um jesus louise you're gonna have to bear with me because these are things that i'm unpacking and trying to understand now that i i I don't know if i have the right words for and Mm. the first one connects to what sam was saying is that like we it is so hard for me to believe this but i am not a summation of my hobbies or my relationships or Mm -hmm. my job or the things that i do in my life and I'm also, therefore, not a summation of the things I don't do either. That yep. I just am. I am what I am. I am. I am good inherently, and that yep. goodness. This is it's almost. It makes me emotional to say out loud because because geez, Louise, it is so hard for my body and soul to compute this, but I know it's true. And this is just something like that I'm working on in my therapy and in my life that like, I am good and you are good inherently, not because of literally anything we do, but that, that, Mm -hmm. that, that is that to answer your question, like who, what am I, who am I? You are you, you are good. You are, you are everything and nothing, (laughs) you know, like you, Mm -hmm. like we, we contain, so we contain multitudes. Um, and I think, I think when we try to look at our lives through like the hierarchy of, of goals and success and love and relationships, oftentimes that's when we've come up feeling empty, when we feel like mm. we don't look like what we thought. And the second thing is connected to that, that I wanted to kind of like muscle through that I, I'm not sure I have the words for yet, but like something I read in the undertones of your letter, and I may be wrong, is something that I connect to from from my childhood is and into my adult years. It took me like way longer than what I, you know, assume to be average to like get a <laughs> to get a grasp of what the world really is um mm. and and you write in your letter that one of your big coping mechanisms was was having this imagined life that you were going to earn this goodness mm. you know that you that would make everything better and that you even say it that that was like your escape and cope is, coping mechanism is that you were like well there's this greener grass there's this reward for all of this suffering 
And I feel as though I moved through life for the first 20, 30 years thinking that there was a place I would get to in which everything would make sense and everything Mm. would be good and everything would be um, right, you know, like that. But that I wasn't there. I knew I wasn't there yet because my life was full of struggle and confusion and bad breakups and and whatever Uh the fuck, you know, my job was a mess and my money was a mess and my credit was a mess. And but I just thought like, well, you know, when I'm an adult, when I get there, when I'm grown, Mm -hmm. When I find that relationship, everything will be good. Um, and But that isn't real. And that's mm-hmm. what's hard now in our adult bodies, in our, in our more conscious bodies, is recognizing that like this journey that we literally thought we were on from childhood on, because, you know, that's, that narrative is also told in childhood, like that mm-hmm. you're going to you're going to be an orphan and then you're going to meet a prince and then you're going to be, you know, like that's the narrative, right? Like the come up narrative. Um, And then, but to move through life and all of a sudden realize the way you were processing life and your anticipations of life was not flawed, not wrong, but is different. It's like you, you come to a new awareness. Right. Mm -hmm. And that is kind of, that's, that's really, um stark you know like that's like a it's like it's like when you walk out into the light after being in the dark and you're like fuck this is so it's so bright i can't see anything you have to like adjust you have to adjust to that new discomfort um and i'm doing that now in my life of like wow i'm gonna we're gonna this is always gonna be hard like being a human is is always going to be different and mm-hmm. challenging and and like willow and i had an argument the other day we rarely argued but we had like a legit argument the other day and um i left it thinking it's not that i don't ever want that to happen again it's that i want to be i want to have the tools to be able to have that argument um better more often you know like i want to be mm-hmm. like i i want to basically like I'm not trying to say this in like a nihilistic or depressing way, but that my perspective on life was shifted when I realized you don't just get to a place where everything is easy and beautiful. You get to a place where you accept that life is challenging and different than we thought it was when we were children. Um, Mm. And then, and that tiny perspective shift allows a little bit more grace and a little bit more understanding and a whole lot more gratitude for what is there what does make you feel happy? And I know I've been talking for like 20 minutes, but I'm just say one more thing. Because <laughs> connecting to that is like, we feel guilty often, like looking back on our life or looking at our life in such a grand scale, right? Like I'm going to get it all right. I'm going to have that marriage. I'm going to have that job and my life will be good then, right? Mm-hmm. Scale it back. Like what does, Jesus Louise, what does happiness look like right now today? What does it look, what does it feel like because sometimes happiness feels like a happy marriage, right? But most of the time, happiness, pure happiness feels like good weather or really good food when you're hungry or mm. like giving your ordering a fucking medium instead of a small when you always get a small, you know? <laughs> um, and if we scrub off the labels of, of 
the things that make us happy, we can no longer create a hierarchy of happiness. We can Mm. no longer say I didn't earn this or I didn't get to this goal or like I'm, I don't deserve a happy relationship or whatever, but instead I'm happy. What does that mean? What makes me happy today? I'm done. Absolutely. No, that's (laughs) great. And I, I, I appreciate that and would say that in an attempt to sort of rewrite this narrative Mm -hmm. of looking at yourself and saying, I am nothing but a barren desert. I want to, I want you to reframe that and say, I am nothing but a blank slate. Mm. So there is, because that's all of us, that is exactly what what all of us are at every moment, right? Mm. We are always a blank slate upon which we can write different narratives, Right. (laughs) right? And, you know, I talked about this in sort of how I am, you know, the the creation of all of the things around me and Sierra talked about this too and sort of separating herself from the things that she does and the the mm-hmm. hobbies that she has right like Sierra is not a writer Sierra is a person who writes things mm. right like and the person is the first thing and the person is always stripped bare of the expectations of the narratives that others have created for us. We are always all blank slates upon which we can write whatever we want to. Mm. And no matter what we write on it, we're still a blank slate, right? Like right. the chalk does not become part of the slate. It is it is still a separate thing. And so the fact that you can look at yourself and say, wow, there is nothing there is is a good thing. It is a recognition of the fact that you are, you are ready to have all of the love and experiences in the world because you are a person moving through this world who can experience those things. Yes. And so I know that that's really hard to look at yourself and say, wow, there's nothing there. But the fact that there's nothing there is what it means to be human. It is right. It is exactly what we are all, I think many of us actually are striving to do in this moment is, is rip off those expectations and right. say, God, I hold myself, I, I shame myself so much for saying I'm a runner and not running every day, mm-hmm. right? Like, and instead saying, no, I'm not a runner. I'm a person who runs. I am first and foremost, a person who makes active decisions every day about whether or not he wants to exercise. Yes, and that's bitch, okay. <laughs> right. Like, and so let's, let us practice gratitude for the fact that we don't have to be the things that are, that are given to us. We don't have to be the things that we take on, but we just get to be, we get to be nothing. We get to be plank. We get to right. be empty vessels. And we get to into start which, again. Yeah, absolutely. We can we can wipe that slate clean if we want to. Right. So I feel you and I, I know that this is a hard place to be, but I also want to say that this is a place where the growth starts, right? Yes. Like you are in the pain of the And it never stops. Off. And it never right? stops. To continue <laughs> yeah. that that idea is that like I thought I was like gonna get to the place where like I got it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Like cool, done growing, totally got it. Great. Good I'm I'm you know, like I thought I was gonna get to a place where like I was good at relationships. Nah, girl, like I I am <laughs> a person who chooses to be in relationships. That's mm-hmm. what I am, right? And yep. I'm a person who chooses to try to figure out how to have this argument better. <laughs> you know, like it's sure. it's it's not that you get to a place where you you understand these things. Going to the roomy quote that I say a hundred times that Sam so kindly referenced in the beginning. <laughs> and you, when are you going to begin that long journey into yourself? You've been on it. You've been mm-hmm. on it. You're you're going. And you're I, still on it. <laughs> yes. Um. And I want to just add quickly, like 
I want to switch up this narrative because I know so many of our listeners, myself included, um, and Jeez Louise included, like are so anxious about time and about timing and about lost time and making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yep. But that is not only it's a scarcity mindset, it it undervalues our humans, us humans, like our, our number one gift our ability to change and grow right and that 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 changing and growing um never goes away we can we we do it all the time my dad was in his late 30s when he quit drinking right quit cold turkey went to Mm. aa that's a whole other story but like and he went to therapy right for the first time in his life um and he told me recently at 40 years old he had nothing right he had nothing and he, he mm-hmm. looked at, you know, the divorce is finalized. He's sober. He, he can't, like, turn to, like, alcohol for for what he used to turn to before. And he, he said he looked around and thought, like, I don't have any money. I'm self-employed. I don't have a job. I don't have mm-hmm. a wife. Right? She She's living in the house that, like, she got the house. I have nothing. And at 40 years old, he thought, what can I do for myself? Um and this is not even to like revere my dad. My dad is just a flawed human like all of us still <laughs> yeah. fucking learning and still messing up and still being incapable or or whatever like all of us are. But this is I was so moved by that because I think we like to think about life as that um escalator but also as all of the things and experiences um and hierarchical like milestones that we that we accumulate, but life is not an accumulation of our accomplishments and Mm -hmm. you are not an accumulation of everything that you have done or not done in your life. You just are you in this moment present, that blank state slate ready to do and be whatever you want to be. Absolutely. That's, that's so right. And I think people fall in love at 40 people fall in love at 50, right? People are, people are falling and, Falling into and out of love at every single point in their timeline, right? That is, there is no expiration date on finding a partner. There is no expiration date on on doing all of the things, that all of the goals that we want to accomplish. And mm-hmm. so I know that you are feeling a lot of hopelessness right now. And I know that you've given up on those goals that you had for yourself. But I just want to to say, like... There's no need to give up on those goals. Those things are available to you as you move through your life, right? You and also at the same time, you are not defined by whether or not you achieve those goals, right? Right. Like both of those things are true at the same time is that you still have abundant time. And also those goals are meaningless as to whether or not you are a good or full or human person, right? right? Valuable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so I, I'll say to you, just breathe, yes. <laughs> right? Like this is like the eighth time we've told people to breathe, <sighs> right? Literally breathe, be in this moment, recognize that you are a person in a body, right? And that you are moving through this world just as well equipped as all of us are to do the things that you want to do. And you have, you have the ability to make choices about what you want, what you're going to do, who you are going to do those things with and you are not defined by those choices 
but you get to make them. And that's, mm. that's what life is. That's what's wow. so exciting about, about being a human in a body, right? Mm-hmm. Is that we get to make those choices and get to, to experience things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'll say, you know, you talk a little bit about like, how do I, how do I move through this? Um, and I will, and like, how do I find new goals? Like, don't tell me to go to a pottery class and like, girl, I don't want you to go to pottery class. That sounds expensive. Mm-hmm. But what can you do every day to make one promise to yourself and then keep it or find the grace to forgive yourself if you don't? Yes. Like that's, that's how it starts. Like literally that is the first step of what is one promise you can make to yourself that you either keep or you forgive yourself when you don't accomplish it and promise to do it again the next day. Like that's, that's how we begin, I think, building accountability and trust in ourselves and our, in our experiences and, and begin to understand that we, we have control. We do have autonomy. We, ha- we are actors in this world and can make choices about who and what we spend our time doing. I love that, Sam. That was beautiful. Jeez Louise. Um, we're, we're with you in this. We're with you in this journey and mm-hmm. we love you. That's right. You are already on that journey into yourself. Thanks so much for writing. We love you. All right. This brings us to the blind date segment of our show. Every episode, we want to shout out something that we want to set you up with. This week, we're going to send you home with... A thing I'm calling No Scroll Saturdays. Ooh. Yeah. So um, over the course of the last few weeks, I have been leaving my phone in a different room than where I'm, than the room that I'm in. Excellent. <laughs> yes. Because I, um, I love that. I've been sound. finding myself in this, like in these moments of anxiety, right? We are in a pandemic, you know, we are in a moment of sort of reckoning around racism. We are also in what feels like an endless election, even though the election did end. <laughs> um, and just like, finding myself compulsively scrolling on Instagram, TikTok, the news, like whatever it is, um, especially in times when I'm like not busy. Right. So like on a Saturday when I'm, you know, hanging around watching TV or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been practicing trying to leave my phone in a different room because that practice of scrolling was giving me more anxiety and like really challenging my ab- ability to like be present in my own life. Um, so I would encourage people to do it. It's actually like, it's been really nice to do it and it feels like really intentional and Mm -hmm. i'm shocked shocked at how often i compulsively reach for a phone that isn't there Mm -hmm. (laughs) like honestly it's like oh a commercial break or whatever and like i'm like dilemma (laughs) my hand literally reaches out Mm -hmm. (laughs) for a phone that's not there like it's like no it's in it's in a different room why so it's been good for me it has made me feel like more present i've been like reading more i've been like listening to more audiobooks because I'm not compulsively scrolling. Mm-hmm. And it's been good for me to learn about the habits that I have yes. in terms of how often I'm using my phone for a way to not deal with the silence, like a second of silence, right? Like the, <laughs> the oppressive anxiety that comes yes. in one second of like not it's being stimulated. You're like, you have to, <laughs> yeah. yep, absolutely. I love so, that. No scroll Saturday. I'm going to do it. Yes. And I want to record on Saturdays. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And also like, I didn't want to call it no scroll because like that's an all or nothing thinking. So like maybe like less scroll Saturdays or something like that. It's one day out of the week. It could be no scroll. 
Yeah, but like, but, but, and then like forgive yourself if you do scroll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the long unabridged title. <laughs> but like, you know, less scroll. Less scroll Saturday. Got it. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll check in next week and see how it's going for me. <laughs> All right, y'all. Um, hey, make sure to check out our new merchandise before we mm-hmm. get into our uh, end credits. Um, new merchandise coming Friday, um, November 27th on JustBreakUpPod.com. Go ahead, Sam. Do the biz. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs> you can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at JustBreakUpPod. You can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship meme but most importantly you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakuppod.com which is also where you can find our new online store with new merchandise tote bags sweatshirts um t-shirts oh my god i forgot to tell the number one best (laughs) new product is an actual red flag check it out at justbreakuppod.com Please follow us. Uh, you can get our so that you can get our episodes every Monday <laughs> exclusively on Spotify. And consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as five dollars a month, you will get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's patreon.com slash just break up pod. This literally keeps the mics on and keep, helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Original music, recording, editing, producing, managing all magical things by our good friend Big Cats, a.k.a. Spencer. Make sure to check out his podcast, The What If Podcast. And remember, you can be both good and still learning. Full and new. Repeat after me. I am whole and I am becoming. And if all else fails... Just break up. <laughs>